check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Throwdown with your host, Zach Connors, joining me today. And Alex has come back from Orlando. So, Alex, you can finally say hi to everybody. Yeah, everyone, what's up? <laughs> so, he's back from his Orlando bubble experience known as Disney World. So, <laughs> so did you play one-on-one with Mickey Mouse, or...? No, unfortunately, they uh, they still limit that. They can't actually see a character. Dang. So, but ah. if I did. I would have. It would have been a nice. Uh, I, I could have played Le Mickey though. They gotta bring a character. Out. They gotta bring. They Le gotta Mickey bring him out. out. So, bring him out in the shorts and the air ones. Do you think you could dunk over Mickey Mouse? Because <laughs> <laughs> like in my heyday when I could dunk, uh, I think I probably could. I, I really do. Yeah, I don't know if I could dunk, but maybe jump over him definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you might get a charging fall, but anyways, let's move into today's episode. We got a lot of stuff going on. The NBA preseason games are finally starting, but before we get into that, we got the biggest league news going around right now. Let's start off with the NBA vaccination rates. About 95% of the league has at least one shot. They're on their way to like 99% of all players being vaccinated. The WNBA was there last week. But there's about 40 players who are entirely unvaccinated or did not disclose their vaccine status. And that includes stars like Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins. And then this one may surprise, maybe not surprise some people, but Bradley Beal, too. I mean, there's quite a handful of players that are starting to come out. And these are superstars, too. And some people were even joking about this unvaccinated team forming their own squad just to play other teams so i mean how much is this going to affect their teams if they can't play home games this year guys well i would say i mean if we're looking at specifically certain guys like bradley beal for example we'll just start with him that's going to hugely affect the wizards i mean yeah we're looking at we're looking at a squad that has sure you got denny you got Bertans, brian kcp dinwiddie and kuzma and a few others but like at the same time you're talking about a team that, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they win only 38 games last year? So mm-hmm. you're talking about a squad without Bradley Beal. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get vaccinated, he doesn't play. I guarantee that they won't win more than 25 games. And, and I mean, when we look at that, that that's a huge factor too, because like a Bradley Beal is going to hugely impact the team. Like you know, Bradley Beal is their star contributor for the Wizards team. But if we look at Kyrie Irving. I mean, yeah, he's one of the superstars in the league, and he's a very important part of that Nets team. But he wasn't very consistent with being on the court last year. Remember all the issues with, mm-hmm. oh, is he going to come and play? He just kind of disappeared. And honestly, that that kind of looks bad on that Nets team, um, you know, just to sway away a little bit from the vaccine, like how they handle that situation where they didn't really address it and they didn't really – give them any punishment for leaving if you if that was like a let's say like a, uh jared allen when he was on that team or like you know a lower name player uh shaman or something they probably would have gotten a huge like suspension by the team so like i don't know like i feel like the nets are just gonna have but also he's on a contract year too so like that's a huge factor too so we'll have to see how that contract turns out but uh Honestly, uh, Bradley Beal is probably the biggest name that will affect their team. Man, plus, uh, real quick, though, but because when you're talking about Kyrie Irving, too, if we're really looking at it, that 
Kevin Durant was one shoe's eyes away from winning get that game and taking mm-hmm. them to the conference final. So if we're really looking at it, Kyrie is a huge addition to that team. Uh, still, he's a big need for them to have on the court. But at the same time, it obviously showed that when you have KD and you have James Harden, you could kind of do without him right now. And yeah. the big thing, too, is Kyrie does do a good job facilitating the ball. Like oh, yeah. When he's on the court, he's a great ball facilitator. He can come up big in games, but the issue is him staying on the court. Granted, he had personal issues last year, regardless mm-hmm. of COVID and all of that. But generally speaking, he's a guy that you would rather have on the court than not on the court. So it's going to maybe take some convincing for Kyrie to get the vaccine, especially if KD and James Harden some of his bros on the team have to come over and pull him to the side and be like hey man you gotta you gotta get this vaccine we want to get a rating like the other name too is andrew wiggins i mean for golden state most of the team is vaccinated there the i think the one of the only few guys on that team that's not vaccinated is andrew wiggins and he kind of came up bigger had a bigger season for the golden state warriors than any other previous year mm-hmm and I, I really wonder how he's going to fit on that team, too, because he might lose a lot of time to Jonathan Kaminga and uh, some of these new additions and also the return of Clay Thompson. So we'll have to see how that plays out as well. If uh, if he loses a lot of time because of maybe potential COVID outbreaks or anything like that, uh, will he lose his spot? Yeah, I mean, I personally love Andrew Wiggins. I always have I always thought he was underrated but at the same time when we're looking at Golden State we're talking about Golden State here so when you really look at Wiggins they could do without him it doesn't mm-hmm. really affect their teams because there's been a lot of rumors going around that going around that he could be traded this year regardless before this whole vaccination stuff was coming out so if we're really looking at it they might have done without him anyway this year and, and they also added Otto Porter Jr. to oh and that's a great offseason. point yeah Otto Porter. It's gonna. It's a tough competition for Wiggins it's, out there it, already. It's a very interesting competition. But then let's get into the, what LeBron was saying about the vaccine stuff because he disclosed that he got fully vaccinated, that he wants to go and play on the court, you know, the whole season. But then on the other hand, he was saying he's not going to try to convince anybody else to get vaccinated because that's not his job. You see a lot of old basketball names like Shaquille O'Neal or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar saying, if you're not getting vaccinated, you're not helping your team. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure to get vaccines on a lot of these current NBA players. And I feel like LeBron was very hesitant at first. Uh, I know a couple of months ago when uh, the vaccine came out, one of the biggest news I saw on CNN uh, and other uh, media sites is uh, they actually asked LeBron, did you get your shot? Did your family get their shot? He's such a uh, big, important role model in today's culture, not only past sports, but also uh, to the young youth. And he didn't make a comment, and he kind of waited till now to, like, you know, make a statement. Uh, and I, I feel like LeBron has a huge impact, um, you know, on society. And, like, you know, we might see it as just a storyline here, but honestly, like him saying that he got his vaccine might get, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand people to actually get the vaccine because LeBron got it. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, LeBron is, like you said, one of the big, he's arguably not only just in basketball, but we're talking about athletes in general, one of the biggest faces in athletes of all time. So really look at it. I mean, I personally think players should get vaccinated. That's just my opinion on it. But if LeBron makes a comment on it then more people will follow that's the thing lebron whatever lebron says a lot of people will follow 
Well, I love to keep talking about players and their vaccine status, but we do have another big story to get to. Let's talk about this ongoing drama in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons and the holdout against the 76ers. Now, mind you, he didn't show up for the start of training camp and he is forfeiting his first paycheck of the season. He has no intent of coming back to Philly whatsoever. So guys, at this point now, if you're Philadelphia, do you just try to get rid of him? Do you wait for him to hold out and maybe he comes back or is he going to opt out for the rest of the season? Personally, I think you get rid of him. I mean, not going to lie. I mean, the whole point of everyone always been talking about Ben Simmons, like after the playoffs last year, especially everyone wants him gone. Philly kind of really started listening to offers. Grant Philly has been listening wants crazy offers for him, like four first round picks, some crazy or three first round picks. But at the same time, Philly should honestly move on from him. And not going to lie at this point too, you can't, you can't guarantee that he has the support of his teammates when he comes back. Like, Joel Embiid, for example, I think you guys saw this week, Embiid also did make a comment that he wanted Ben Simmons back, but at the same time, he also made a comment that this is ridiculous. We have been building around this guy. That's the reason we got rid of Jimmy Butler, which in Embiid's words too, he said was honestly what he thought one of the worst decisions they could have made. They needed Jimmy, and I agree with that. I think Jimmy would have stayed. Granted, Jimmy also wanted to be a superstar somewhere else. That's a different story, but when it comes to Ben Simmons, they're by this point, they still have to start looking to build around Embiid as well. And also, in terms of Doc's game plan, Doc's more of a guy who wants to create uh, create space around the perimeter when you really look at it. He needs like a, a Ray Allen kind of guy or a J.J. Redick. Like, he needs those kinds of guys, and Ben Simmons isn't one of those. Grant, Ben is a great defender. I'll give him that. But Ben is afraid to take a shot. <laughs> Let's be honest. We saw that in the playoffs. We saw that all around. Ben Simmons is afraid to take a shot. And not gonna lie, I think they should, and personally, in my opinion, before we get into what Connor has to say about it, I think that they should make a move with the Trailblazers and possibly get bring in CJ McCollum, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at this point, they they really wanted like a guy like Damian Lillard, but like they have no leverage. They have to take their losses and they have to realize that this is kind of a situation that they let get out of hand. Uh, and I, I don't have any sympathy towards Ben Simmons either. Uh, they gave him the opportunity. They wanted him to just improve his jump shot and improve his shooting, and he never did. And uh, that kind of put him in the situation uh, that now they're in where they don't really have a pure shooter, and that kind of put him in a bad spot last year. I mean, they had Seth Curry, but, I mean, Seth Curry can only take enough threes, you know? Um, and I, I just feel like... As a team, they keep getting these bigs and these big guys. Yeah, that works well in the regular season, but it doesn't show up in the you know uh, playoffs when you got guys that are making threes all over the place. You know, so I I just feel like they gotta take their losses, and I think C.J. McCollum would be a great fit, uh, and maybe uh, th- that Trailblazers team is another team that kind of needs to remodel their team. Uh, it just hasn't worked out that. Uh, experience between uh, McCollum and uh, Lillard. It's a good combination, but they need to add more pieces there too. Uh, so I think they take their losses and try to get a trade and uh, you know, let's see how it works. I mean, uh, he really needs to develop that shot though. Lillard, or um, uh, Simmons. So like, I've always said this throughout the whole thing. The 76ers are going to have to give up a little bit to get something yeah. better back I mean, granted they're not going to be able to be like oh give us like these three players three first round picks just for ben simmons ben simmons is not that type of player 
Simmons is a guy who's like, all right, we're going to give Simmons and our first round draft pick, but we want a decent guy back. Like they might have to give up a couple picks just to get rid of him and get someone better. Like CJ McCollum makes sense for the 76ers teams, but I don't know if Lillard would stay on the Trailblazers if they got rid of McCollum. They work well together over there in Portland. So I think the 76ers are going to just have to start listening to some of these lower offers and just see if they can get rid of Simmons. Because at this point in time, if he's not showing up for training, training camp, then you have to move on from him. It's made, Simmons mm-hmm. has made it clear that he is done. And the comments Joel Embiid made pretty much showed that the locker room may not be as warm welcoming if he comes back and decides to play for the season. But it looks mm-hmm. like it's just going to be a very long holdout this year between Simmons and the 76ers. I know some people were comparing it to like Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this this offseason, there seems to be a lot of tension going around this year with like players, star players and their teams. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's contagious. But yeah. uh, we're going to take our quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the preseason games and what expectations for teams that we have early on. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Zach here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you like the show, be sure to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We share breaking news and updates that are going around the league, as well as show updates. You can find the link to our accounts in the description down below, or search Sins the Throwdown. Thanks so much for listening. Now here's the rest of the episode. And welcome back from the break. Thanks so much for sticking around. All right, guys, we're now going to get into the preseason games. They're underway. Some are starting today while we're recording. Others are going on throughout the week. And the season is sneaking up on us. It's coming very soon. So for you guys, you know, everybody has expectations for their teams. Every team is hoping that they make it to the NBA Finals. But what are some of your realistic expectations that you have for certain teams? We talked about teams that we want to do well this year or we have interest in doing well or like just seeing where the team goes and what direction so i want to hear from you guys what expectations do you have for teams that have your interest Hmm. well i would say uh of all teams i would say even though 76ers have their problems right now i'd still even without ben simmons and if they do trade ben simmons and get someone else coming in I do say, realistically, they're a type of conference finals contender that could possibly go to the NBA Finals. I think that's realistic when you look at that. And looking at the Eastern Conference, too, Bucks are always a contender. Granted, though, I I hope the Bucks do well, but at the same time, I kind of look at this like they had their year, and now that they hit it, they might just be one of those teams who will constantly make it to the playoffs and like could be a second-round exit potentially each year now. Because... I don't know if they've made the right moves to like really boost their team to be a constant title contender. Uh, one, one of the teams I, I think has a lot of good potential that should make some noise in the East is uh, the Knicks. I, I mean, you add, uh, you bring back Derek Rose and you add Kemba Walker to this team and Evan Fournier. Uh, so I, I think that this team has added uh, the offensive power that they needed. Uh, they already had, you know, Emmanuel quickly, and uh, you, we've seen um, also R.J. Barrett develop into a really good player. And I, I, I really like this team. Yeah, Mitchell Robinson, too, on a contract year. We'll have to see if they can uh, have him come back as well. 
Uh, that's the only issue really I see is center play. I mean, Nerlens Noel did a great job. Um, I, I just feel like they got to be more consistent and stay healthy if they want to succeed. Yeah, I'm, I'm expect, I do have some high expectations for Miami this year, the Miami Heat. Because you, now you got Kyle Lowry, you got a true point guard for the team. You know, it, it's kind of a make it or break it to see if Jimmy Butler is really that superstar that people claim he is. And, you know, some people think that the bubble is a fluke. I don't think it was a total fluke. I think if the Heat were fully healthy, it would have been a very different NBA Finals. But regardless, regardless of that, it, it's important to see that this Miami Heat team does well this year. I mean, they have NBA Finals you know, hopes and dreams, and they're hoping to get there. And I think Kyle Lowry, since he was already a guy who's been there before, it's going to help bring that into the locker room there. But there's there's a few other teams that we're kind of like on the fence about. I mean, like I know like the Celtics. I'm like I don't know what expectations they have. They're hoping NBA Finals, but they're not quite there. I mean, they they're having issues just having the point guard situation figured out because they brought in a few guys. They got rid of Kemba Walker, so I don't know what expectations they have going into this season. Well, yeah, you look at Celtics. You had Kyrie. Okay, then you move on from then. You have Kemp. Then he moved obviously to Brooklyn, but then you have Kemba. Okay, now you moved on from Kemba. It's <laughs> it's an up and down battle. You're talking about two great All Star caliber point guards that you had in those span of the last what four or five years. So. When you really look at it, they're kind of not making the right moves right now. Celtics have been always one of those teams, though, when you look at the last five years, that made, if I'm not mistaken, three conference finals the last five years. They just haven't gone anywhere else after. Yeah. They they just are a constant team that will make the playoffs. You know they will. You know they can make it probably to the second round. But at the same time, I mean, Jalen Brown stepped up this past year I think that was probably one of the biggest things I've always been iffy on him but I do think that was one of the best things that could have happened was that Jalen Brown showed that he has the capability of being one of the best all-star players in the league Tatum Tatum's Tatum he always has been they're just don't have a true facilitator right now on that team to help guide that team and maybe if they made that move for Kyle Lowry instead of uh, Miami gang and maybe it would have been a bigger addition for them mm-hmm. And two, it's a really young, young team. And I feel like that's kind of the problem right now with them is they got so much like, I mean, yeah, like you said, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they don't have that finals, you know, mentality. And uh, Zach and I were mentioning last week with Dan that Miami, by getting Kyle Lowry, they add that championship piece, a guy who has won the title. And, you know, that that plays a huge factor, honestly. Uh, But I I do like the Celtics team. Uh, I just we'll we'll have to see how it turns out. And also it's a city and a franchise that is known for winning and is used to winning. So like them struggling these last couple of years, I mean, they're not in the depths of the conference but they haven't been playing to the potential that their team wants them to play to so uh we got to see how that goes and we got to see how uh brad stevens switches up the team and and granted jason tatum was carrying that team through that playoff run like he was dropping 40 and 50 a night just to keep the celtics in it so he he showed that he can help carry a team but he needs supporting players too because jalen brown was out kemba walker was on and off the court so it was really just jason tatum kind of carrying that team but what what is a team that you have the highest expectations for because 
there there's a, every team has expectations some teams just want to develop better some teams just want to have a tied record or higher i mean like what's a team with the highest expectations expectations because i'm looking at the lakers yeah because they have the highest expectations granted it's lebron james he always has the most expectations but do you feel like this is kind of like the last hurrah of like that 2000 basketball era I feel like if you're referring to maybe like LeBron in that age group, I, I would say they got one or two more years on top of that. I mean, it, it's LeBron James. So, like, I could see him going into playing in his 40s and stuff, too. I mean, he's not going to be the same caliber player. Once he gets to the point that he realizes, you know what, uh, I might be a role player eventually, which I, I think is hard for us to even imagine. But, like, if he does get to that caliber where he isn't, you know performing that well then i think that's when he hangs up the boots but i think that's still a while away honestly yeah that's a while away we're talking about a guy who's still averaged what 26 7 and 7 last year even though he missed a lot of games it's lebron's still lebron lebron can easily play into his 40s uh he's he's the tom brady of the nba yeah like (laughs) i I don't see i don't see him having a career uh shift like we saw with vince carter where vince carter was uh, a journeyman dominant. at the end of his career. Or he was dominant early on, and they just yeah. turned into a journeyman out of nowhere. Yeah. But yeah. when we're looking at that squad, I do have the highest expectations for them. I'm not saying that as a Lakers fan. I'm saying that as a general basketball fan. When you really look at the moves they made, all their moves, like you brought in Westbrook. Okay, now you have the big three, James, Westbrook, and Anthony Davis. And then you look at the other moves. They bring in Dwight Howard. They re-signed Talon Horton Tucker. You brought in uh, Kendrick Nam, Malik Monk. Like, you, they started making the moves that they actually need, and Mello, especially Mello, too. They're making the moves where they're trying, and more. you're trying to make the moves where you need to build that, those great, uh, the great supporting cast. You got backup players. You got a great second string right there. When you really look at it, can on the court, that can shoot. Like, they, they, that's the point. That was the problem last year. They didn't have a great supporting cast. After that title run the year before in the bubble, then you look at last year, they really didn't have a good supporting cast to help fall through, and that's why they got bounced out of the playoffs early. But at the same time, they surround themselves with, like, this is the oldest squad in the NBA. You're talking about a squad, like, the reason why is they want to be put in the position to win these next two years. But I did say this last week, too. Um, I, I think with the addition of, like, a Malik Monk, who's still a young player, they still have at least a couple pieces that they can build on for maybe trades down the road or, you exactly. know, at least keep those pieces for when you got to move on. All right, so we talked about expectations, but, guys, I want you to give me two teams off the top of your head. One team who needs to start this season hit the ground running like they need to start well out of the gate make sure the chemistry is clicking on the court and then what's a team that can or maybe even a player that could take some time to develop and you know kind of learn how to flow with everything and then maybe do better and like later in the season well i'll say uh one team specifically our two teams that come to mind obviously are the nets and the clippers i think when you really look at it clippers the whole problem with that team, I think, is chemistry. Like, yeah, they made it to the conference finals, but at the same time, Kawhi has lost a lot of stats, and that's a guy who also needs to hit the ground running this year, too. You're talking about a guy who is still a great player, but you're talking about a team that has deals with a lot of load management issues, and that's probably one of the biggest problems for that team is that, Grant, they did make it to the conference finals, like in that, and Paul George did had a great run at it, but at the same time, 
you're really talking about a, a team that just has so many, and that's the same thing with the Nets. They have the same problem. It's like players injured or you have load management problems, players not playing, trying to rest. But at the same time, you're talking about that's negatively affecting chemistry, and it kind of will, I would say, after the first, maybe early on it will be great, but if they fall back to what they did last season, you're going to have a tough time getting uh, getting out of the second round probably. Uh, a team that I, I can see um, starting off really hot is uh, the Warriors, uh, and they really need to. You know, you got Klay Thompson coming back. You added Otto Porter Jr., Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, you got Andrew Wiggins there. You got James Wiseman. You got uh, M- M- Moses Moody as well, who's a really solid player. I- I'm looking at the start of their schedule. You know, first you got the Lakers and then the Clippers, but after that you got – uh, two road games, Kings and Thunder, which are winnable games. And then you go on a huge home stretch where the games are the Grizzlies, Thunder, Hornets, Pelicans, Rockets. Those are all uh, teams that were like either brink playoffs or they were bottom of the league. So I, I feel like they're going to be starting off high, and I think it's going to be a great way to get Clay Thompson, uh, Draymond Green, and uh, Steph Curry back into – you know, the dominance that we saw prior in a team. I can see kind of taking a little bit of time, even though they made a lot of moves is the bulls. Uh, we obviously know the Eastern conference is the weaker conference, uh, but you have like Lonzo ball, DeMar DeRozan, uh, and you have Vucevic coming back for a second year. Zach Levine still there. It, you got a really, really solid team. And I think they did a great job drafting. I, I really like their second round pick uh, with the Sumu from Illinois. Uh, and I think they did a great job last year as well with Kobe White and Patrick Williams. Uh, so honestly, I think that t- uh, team can take some time. They have a lot of good pieces. And I think, I think they're going to be a playoff team in the East. So you both mentioned teams that I thought of right off the top of my head. Because I was thinking the Nets really had to hit the ground running, regardless of if they had Kyrie or not. And then a team that needs some time to develop is the Bulls. But another team that I thought of, too, was the Hornets. Because, like, the Hornets were doing good towards the end. But I think if they, like, they got some, they added some pieces this year. They re-signed some guys. And, you know, Lamel's, like, still figuring out the NBA and all that stuff. So I think if the Hornets don't start off hot out the gate, it's not the end of the world. Like, this is not a team that you need to panic on. Versus a team like the Nets or the Clippers where it's like, okay, like, we're not doing good. Like, we lost the last five out of, like, you know, five out of seven. Like, we need to do something. And, you know, like, the Nets and the Clippers have their own issues. But I think the Bulls and the Hornets can kind of, you know, hit the brakes a little bit and just be like, you know what? You know, like, we're still figuring out. We added a lot of pieces. We're still trying to figure out how, really to, fit every, how to fit everybody into this system. But I think one team that really needs to hit the ground running, I think it's the Knicks. I mean... They just added a bunch of pieces. Julius Randle's coming off an all-star season. And there's a lot of guys on that team that, like, already know how to play well together. But for the Knicks, it's like they kind of need to hit the ground running. They kind of need to show that that fourth seed in the playoffs was not a fluke. They really need to show the league that, like, hey, we're we're a legitimate team playing together. Yeah, plus, I mean, going off what you just said, Knicks fans also have been waiting for this moment for them to finally make the playoffs again. So when you really look at Knicks fans, especially them, have probably the highest, one of the highest expectations across the entire fan base of the NBA. Knicks fans are going to expect that team to be a top four, top five team. 
And especially and having doing so well last year and then getting bounced by the horn or the, the Hawks, Hawks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the Hawks. And you know, the Hawks went on a great run, but like the Knicks really thought they had aspirations to beat the Nets in the second round. So we'll have to see how this team plays this year. Especially, sorry to cut you off there, Connor, but especially with that, too. We're talking about also with Kemba Walker there. That's also why they mm-hmm. need to hit the ground running, too. After the way the last year has been with him getting injured and stuff like that and him dealing with his own problems, he needs to be ready because if he's not ready, then this team could struck. Could, we could expect a long season from them. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for this segment. When we come back after the break, we're going to do some predictions. Ooh, who likes predicting? I do. We'll be right back. What's going on, everyone? Lawrence Patchman Lang here, president of the Sports Insanity Network, just reminding you to go to our website, www.thesportsinsanitynetwork, where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports Insanity Network. Hello, and welcome back from the break. All right, I mentioned in the tease in the last segment that we're going to do some predictions everyone who predicting the future because we like doing that stuff anyways let's get into these predictions all right so i posted this on our social media pages which you guys should all go and follow anyways i mean we have great social media pages facebook twitter and instagram all right so i post this question to the public i want to hear what you guys think too out of the four play-in tournament teams that missed the playoffs what which of the four teams do you think will make the playoffs this year? We have the Hornets, we have the Warriors, we have the Pacers, and we have the Spurs. So um whoever wants to go first on this, because I got my opinion, so I'm sure you guys do too. Well, first team that comes right off the bat is the Warriors. I mean, if we're being honest, we're talking about a team, once they're they're I think this is the year that they're back and also fully healthy if, if Clay is fully healthy and we avoid any real serious injuries, you have Curry, you have Green, you have Clay. You have Kaminga, who's going to really develop soon. You're, you have Wiseman, you have Wiggins. If Wiggins gets vaccinated and stays, of course, then Otto Porter <laughs> and Jordan Poole. Like, you have you have a really great lineup and a great supporting cast there. And they're a team that can easily, like, they're, I, I, I am not worried about them making the playoffs. They're a team that can easily make the playoffs and potentially make a solid run. I don't think they will make a big run, but at the same, maybe to the to second round, but other than that, they definitely can make the playoffs easily. And then this another team would be, in my opinion, at least the Pacers. Because granted, last year was the first year out of five straight years of making playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs last year. But even since Paul George, they have always been a team that can make the playoffs consistently. After Paul George and they struggled, they made the playoffs five straight years. Granted, they got bounced in the first round those five times. But even the... But the year before last year, they still had the same squad except with Oladipo, but that was also the year Oladipo only played 19 games and was out, and they still ended up being a fourth seed. So this is a team that has that well, – granted, they lost Holiday. They still kept the Holiday. So, But <laughs> when you really look at it, this is a team you got Sabonis, Turner, Warren, Levert. Like this is a team – granted, supporting cast may be tough, I will say that, but – this is a team that can be capable of being a five or a six seed still. Yeah, it, I, I do agree with both picks, honestly. I think the Warriors are going to be a four to five seed, in my opinion. And I, I really like their cast. I, I really think they have a really good chance to go far, honestly. Uh, I think 
uh, when this uh, team develops even more, the younger pieces, I think they might have one of the best benches uh, in the league, honestly. And uh, with the Pacers, I, I am a little bit more down than uh, Alex is on them. Uh, I just feel like they don't, besides Sabonis, like some of those pieces don't really, you know, interest me as much. I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like this team's probably more like an eight or a seven seed uh, in the play in tournament. I think they get into the playoffs, but I, I don't see them going far. I, I do like the addition of uh, Rick Carlisle as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, that was a good, um, you know, head coaching move, especially when you saw how well, uh, it, I, in my opinion, I thought he did a great job with Dallas. I know a lot of people might differ on that, but, you know, like that offense was mo- one of the most powerful offenses we've ever seen. So we'll have to see how he does in Indiana. So I, I agree. Both of those are my two picks out of those four teams and my pick too and i saw this online when people talking back to uh i think the hornets are ready to make that jump surprisingly enough i mean they made the right moves it looks like gordon hayward was a missing piece to that charlotte offense and lamella ball is starting to get comfortable in the league so i don't think there's any reason not to expect the hornets to try and make that like playoff push for uh for a sixth or fifth seed this year and avoid the play-in tournament. But I do think the Warriors are going to be easily back into the top four if they play well and maybe another team falls off, like maybe the Nuggets fall off or the Clippers fall off. It's easily a good spot for the Warriors to jump back into. But I think I think the one team that nobody is really sure about is the Spurs because they made a couple moves. It really didn't improve anything. And I don't know if the Spurs are going to be, be able to make it back into the play-in tournament, let alone get back into the playoffs. Yeah, just to add to the Hornets, uh, I really like that team. I like their pieces. Uh, I I think you're a little bit too high on them, in my opinion. I feel like they're in a situation like the Hawks were a couple of years ago and also the uh, the Grizzlies as well uh, and the Suns too. That's another good point. I feel like it will take a year or two before they really develop. I I think uh, James Booknight's a superstar. and I think him and LaMelo are going to be a great uh, guard combo together and towards the future. But I, I feel like they're a little bit a little bit away from a five or six seed. Well, you know, go big or go home. So <laughs> you yeah, got to give them a little bit of hope. I mean, like, you know, like yeah. I, 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 have... do, I do think they have hope, though. I mean, even if you don't give them a five or six seed, they have hope. Like, when you really look at the squad, this is a nice young squad. This is like, uh-huh. like Connor said, the Hawks, the the Suns. Like, when you really look at those, like, they took them a few years to develop. But when when you look at the squad they have right now, in a few years, this squad is, might this might be the time where Hornets fans might actually be happy for once. Yeah. And then going off of your Spurs point, yeah, I don't think Spurs will make the playoffs for another four years, maybe. Who knows? It might be 2031 before we see the Spurs make yeah. it in the playoffs. But who knows? Who knows about that? But let's move into this this next part. Now we're going to predict. We talked about good teams. What teams this year are due for a bad season? Because it happens. It happens to every team. Like, they're on a really good roll, and they're like, oh, they were good between 2010 and 2016. But then, like, you forget about the one year that they were bad. So what is what teams are due for a bad season this year? I, I still think the Pelicans are just not there yet. 
And I think it, they won't be because I feel like Zion's going to eventually have to make that move to leave. I, I just feel like every time they try to make these moves uh, or any moves in general, they just don't get the right pieces to fit Zion. And like, I don't know. I, I just don't really, I, I do like the Devonte Graham pickup. I, I'll give them that. But honestly, they've kind of done a bad job drafting outside of Zion, which was like a pretty obvious pick. Uh, all the other picks have not really panned out well. And uh, yeah, I, I really don't like where they are as a team. Yeah, I the team to me that's probably going to do worse, in my opinion, at least is the Wizards. I still am not set on them. Haven't been for a while, but Wizards, I mean, I do like having Denny on that team. And obviously, Thomas Bryant, it was a shame that he got hurt last year because he actually is a really, a really talented player. But especially, like, if we consider if Beal is not playing this year for some if because of everything, if Beal doesn't play, this is a team that might not win more than 25 games. So with Beal, I mean, they won 38 games, and they had Westbrook too. So when you really kind of look at this team, they – they really don't have strong depth, in my opinion. I don't think Kuzma. Kuzma is good, but Kuzma, Kuzma will never, I, in my opinion, never actually like develop further. This is, I think, this is the best you're really going to see from him, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, how <laughs> yeah. many points do you think he'll average? Do you think he'll be the number two scorer for that team, or on this team, Dinwiddie? Dinwiddie would be the number two. Yeah. Scorer. See, yeah. my thing yeah. is like I pegged the Wizards as like, all right, they made moves to improve the bench. So I didn't think they were going to have like a bad season. Granted, I think they might have a mediocre season just trying to figure out what to do in a post Westbrook team. But yeah. I thought I thought the Wizards made a lot of good moves. They brought in a lot of talented players onto the team. Granted, not all of them were all stars or superstars, but they brought in the right role players to help kind of form around Bradley Beal. So I thought they were making all the right moves, but it sounds like according to Alex that they're not, they didn't make any of the right moves. Yeah. Well, Zach, I mean, your opinion is your opinion, but at the same time, when you look at, <laughs> when you look at the, and it's wrong probably, but when you look at the role players, you're, you're talking about role players that really have never proven themselves to as good role players to begin with. They just been decent and not going to lie. I mean, I like I like uh, I like a, a quite a few of the young pieces though, but then you're still going to need a couple more years for those guys to develop. Granted, I do think last year's squad was probably better at the beginning of the season than what we see right here for the beginning of this year for the Wizards. Yeah, and also too, we have to really see how these pieces develop. I mean, you got a lot of guys that are very similar to each other with Denny Adia, exactly, uh, Kispert, and Ruby Hachimura. Those all guys are all really good players, but they're all pretty similar forms of each other. And, uh, you know, we haven't really seen really good center or power forward play by this team in years. Uh, and I feel like that was one of their biggest issues. But this year, they couldn't really make a move for a center in the draft because there really wasn't a good uh, prospect out of Kai Jones, uh, besides Kai Jones, which was like a later round pick. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like feel like they're still a couple pieces away honestly uh, uh, granted yeah. all these teams are going to need time to develop and stuff too and i'm like i'm not i'm not saying the wizards are going to go win the nba finals this year but i would expect them to be back in the play-in tournament but maybe they won't maybe they'll just miss it all together and be like you know what uh we kind of suck so i gotta say the wizards did a fantastic job with getting rid of first the john wall contract then the westbrook contract and now they're you know 
they're out of that situation, which was really a key point for uh, that team when uh, Tommy Shepard came in as GM. So I yeah, guess, those contracts I guess, are tough to keep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess a question is maybe just for the Wizards. If you're the Wizards and you're kind of in the mix for maybe a play-in spot or a play-off spot, do you do like a mid-season trade to like kind of help out the Wizards since you got all that cap space all of a sudden? Because easily, any of these teams could easily turn it around like they're before the trade deadline. I think if they did, they have to get rid of, uh, man, I'm blanking on the name for a second. Um, who's the guy that they really overpaid for? Uh, Bertans, there we go. Bertans, David, yeah. Davis Bertans. I, I feel like you have to move his contract too if you want to at least uh, free up some more cap space. Well, but yeah, I mean, he's set to make like 16 mil this year, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like they really need to upgrade that center position, honestly. Thomas oh, Bryant, I don't think. And you got, Mont- they you got Montrez Harrell there, too. Man. Yeah. Maybe, a- maybe, you know what you could do is move one of your uh, guys you drafted the last couple of years, maybe a Rui Hachimura or Denny Adia, and try to get maybe a Andre Drummond or something. Well, you actually, know, if you brought couple. in Andre Drummond, that that would be – I like where you're going with that, Connor, because Andre Drummond would be actually the kind of, like, big man addition that they've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we're saying is that Connor may secretly be a genius at trading. <laughs> he could be, but the question is, could they make that move? Ah, that's yeah. a good question. We'll save that for another day. All right, we're going to take one last break, but when we come back, we're going to go into the final segment, and it's going to be a fun question this time. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss this. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo Jelly Jelly adjective Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same Visit AdoptUSKids.org Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Adopt US Kids and the Ad Council Hey, everyone. Welcome back from the break. All right. Really quick. The final segment of the show. We finally made it here. We have a fun question for our guys today because we're going to liven it up a little bit. We're going to have a fun question. It's kind of a quick rapid fire type of deal. So here's today's fun question. If you could give one city without an NBA team, which city and why? Now, there's a lot of cities in the U.S. and Canada that don't have NBA teams. So, Connor, I'm going to start with you. What is your city that deserves an NBA team and why? Uh, so when we think of one of the most dominant cities in all of sports, one of the, uh, you know, you think of Boston, you think of New York, you think of L.A. Well, Pittsburgh is one of the most dominant cities in all of sports, and they don't have a basketball team so i was thinking pittsburgh would be a great fit for a basketball team and uh maybe like the pittsburgh iron or something like to do with that similar to you know the like steelers or any of those as long as they have that black and gold you don't yeah (laughs) yeah so that's my that's my pick i think pittsburgh would be a great fit yeah i mean pittsburgh is missing one of the big four sports leagues they got nfl (laughs) they got mlb they got nhl they just they just need an NBA team, and they got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex, really quick, what's your city? For me, I think the city that makes a lot of sense is Las Vegas. Ooh. When you really 
when you really look at it, this is a city that, granted, years ago when when uh, the Golden Knights moved in, I was skeptical of all these moves to Vegas. <laughs> but you know what? Golden Knights in their first year, they uh, they made it to the Cup, and they've been a contender since. Uh, now you have the Raiders there. They're 3-0 and this year, so we could see an actual good year for Gruden finally. But when you really look, and then you have the Aces there, but now, when you really look, this team, granted, you could say, oh, MLB or NBA, NBA. You need an NBA team there. And also, not to lie, this is this is one of the biggest entertainment capitals, if not the biggest entertainment capital in the country. And you really look at it, this is this is starting to become a big sports city when you and people are gonna want to come. And also for the players specifically, a lot of the entertainment and a lot of the nightlife is the kind of the this feeling that a lot of players would be drawn to in Las Vegas. So you would, if they make a team there, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of big names want to go to whatever Las Vegas team they create. Now, now granted Las Vegas already has the WNBA team. They already have the aces. Uh, the Oak, the Oakland athletics are thinking about moving to Las Vegas. They already talked about plants and stuff. And it totally makes sense to give the Las Vegas, maybe an expansion franchise, or Mm -hmm. if a team wants to move there, like I keep teasing Sacramento, moving their team to Las Vegas to become the Las Vegas Kings. So that way we can start getting a whole deck Mm -hmm. of cards, but (laughs) (laughs) it makes sense. I'm a genius too. I'm marketing, but (laughs) all right. My city, I'm not going for the low hanging fruit. I'm actually picking, nashville tennessee now mind you tennessee already has the memphis grizzlies but there's a lot of fans in nashville that love basketball and they're like we want our own team we don't want memphis grizzlies like we're not that's like west tennessee we're like the main attraction in tennessee and you got graceland and all that stuff and country music and barbecue and it makes sense too because they would be in a good spot to join maybe the e maybe the east central division or do something with the Southeast division in the East. Uh So you would have a lot of opportunity and it gives that region another basketball team to root for. And let's just face it. Nashville is very entertaining. Like I mentioned with all the music and stuff Mm -hmm. and Uh, you know, they already have the Titans. You might as well throw in another team in there and just see where it goes. Oh, let's not forget about the predators and the predators. See, they already, they already got two. They already got two. They need two more because there's rumors about the Tampa Bay Rays from baseball moving in there. So it's like, you, you gotta get going on this. You ever, you ever been to Nashville, Zach? I, that's on my bucket list. I want to go one time. Honestly with, for players, it would be a really fun city for them and for fans that, that it's a great atmosphere. Who knows? We might record a podcast one there. Oh, that'd be great. We just fall. We just go down there. All right. So we didn't go for Seattle because I think Seattle is kind of a low hanging fruit when it comes to like, Oh, bring back NBA teams. But there's a rumor that the Pelicans might just, you know, their lease is up in the 2023-2024 season. They might move to Seattle and bring back the Supersonics. Or New Orleans, man. Yeah, like, you know, like, it, it, it depends. But, you know, we'll see what the future holds. But thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate you guys listening to episode two. If you like us, follow us on social media. We mentioned it before. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at the S-I-N apostrophe S, the Throwdown, the Sports Insanity Network. You can also check us out on the sportsinsanitynetwork.com. You can find us in their podcast section and read more about the show. So I want to thank everybody for listening so much, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye.
it sound right, boy.